Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. Hello, welcome into one of the final Six Again podcasts of the season. We will have our semi-final wrap-up and analysis coming your way. We've also got Q Cup and New South Wales prelim final results. Uh, round five of the NRLW, as well as some World Cup squad announcements. Um, an awesome study coming out of the Australian Institute of Sport with regards to women rugby league players, uh, sorry, women Indigenous rugby league players, and then also a sad story on Mario Fennec. How you doing, Jared? Yeah, pretty good. Um, Excellent. Good games of football <laughs> on the weekend. Yeah, it was fun. What it was. Yeah, what was my bet? What was oh, my bet? I can't remember. What... Do you have it there? I'm not even looking at him. I think they were that bad, both of us. But <laughs> I think people have long, long known that if you come in here in the hope of um, a good bet, a good bet or tips or anything like that, you've come to the wrong place. Um, unless you're some sick, you've got some sick form of humour where you just enjoy listening to and participating in our pain. Um, yeah, they're around here somewhere. My kids have come into my study and just wrecked everything. So stuff's everywhere. Um, I'll have to wait till you're talking about something and I'll mute and go find it. But on the topic of tipping, let's jump over. I've done some quick maths. So if you missed our preview show uh, for the semifinals, we had Ben Taylor on from Hop Nation, uh, our sponsors for our footy tipping comp, and broke down the first, second, third prize prizes for the footy tipping and also the first prize for the street competition and we know Ben Liner has taken that one out but looking at the tipping results over the weekend quite a few people uh, got full rounds so two out of two which gave you three out of three and one of them was really important Rocking Horse Road who was already on top uh, got a full round and that put a little bit of space between themselves and third place Spencer Blues who jumped up so Rocking Horse Road on 169 cannot finish any lower than second. Uh, the underscore Irk on 167 is the only person who could overtake Rocking Horse Road. This is just if my maths is correct. So we've got three games left, two prelims and a grand right. final. So, that's probably not right. Yeah, no. Two prelims, get that right, that's three points. Plus the grand final, I'm assuming if you tip that correctly, you'd get two points. So maximum of five points. Uh, he's on 169. Spencer Blues in third place is on 163. So even if Rock and Australia gets a zero for the rest of the comp and Spencer Blues tips two, four rounds, can't catch him. So Rock and Horse Road and the Oak are fighting out for first and second. Third place is still open between Spencer Blues, Reggie Sidestep, myself, Methodical Flamethrower, and Chocopolips. Um, with a very, very, very outside chance of Ben Liner picking up the third place there in the tipping as well as the street competition. Oof. Yeah, I got uh, one out of two. And, yeah, the sharks Rabbitohs game did not not see it playing out as it did. Uh, we'll get into that as we, as we get there. Um, anything specific that caught your eye from the weekend, Jared? Yeah, man. Um, Cameron Murray legitimately the guy I want in every team to lead you. Um, so obviously he took over from Adam Reynolds early in the year. He, um, or start of the year, sorry. He took 
And Adam Reynolds was, you know, the junior um, coming through. Led in, oh, no, he didn't. He's a vice captain in the Premiership 2014. And Ken Murray, the thing about him, he feels like he's been around forever. The bloke's only 23, and he's a South junior leading the most, what's the word, the most storied, storied rugby league club in history. And he's just doing it better than anyone else. So you've got players in the comp. Like we we, we, we talk about the controversial players. You've got Javier Hargraves. You've got Latrell Mitchell in his team. It's like one week he, he's going... Well, he's turning around and going, oh, mate, the crowd are getting on my mental health when they boo me, but then turns around and goes, I love it when they boo me. I thrive on it, this kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, which one is it? You know, causing controversy in the game. You know, you've got all these players in the competition who run their career in the headlines. But then you've got Cam Murray, who's probably, you know, better than 90% of them playing the same game week in, week out, throwing out the same stats, throwing out the same one percenters in every game. And he's just doing it without any headlines. Everyone's just like, oh, Cam Murray's on the field. He's just going to do the same shit week in, week out. Leaves from the front in every... I love him. He's he's that good. Like, he's one of the best players our generation. And the fact he's only 23, he's got another potential 10 years as captain for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, future captain of New South Wales. And... Throw it out there. Definitely a future captain of Australia as well. Because you wouldn't be mad if Cam Murray became captain of Australia as well. Like it's just he's that good for a young guy. Like he's almost ten years younger than Adam. Like that's freakish. And me, yeah, damn straight. Yes. <laughs> Actually, he's ten years younger than you. Only you at the heights that I was at that time. <laughs> he's he's just yeah he's just. Yeah, I, I love it. It's just him, like man. he lasts it, another 10 years. That's what I'm hoping. Well, for. look, the way he plays, maybe not, especially the concussions where he puts his head. But on that note, he, he no matter what year he retire, he retire as a great. Because he plays in the middle of the field, second row. He, he's, come on, man. He's that good. No, I, oh, he's good. He's definitely good. I, I would not throw around the word great um, at this stage. Oh, I would. Another five, I six, would. seven, eight years at this level. You can oh, start getting in that. Um. Alrighty, let's. I'm trying to think. Take what my know again. Um, yeah, Canberra. Yikes. Um, credit for making that far, but yeah, I guess caught my eye was Xavier Savage performance. Um, it's most. It, sometimes you see a, a game where a player shows the very elite of their talent, and then the bottom end as well. And I think a lot of the bottom end of his game was from bad luck, like that grubber that literally nutmegged him. Um, that's just where the ball lands at that horrible spot. He's like, do I go forward? Do I go back? Do I drop? Do I stay up? And um, and then he sees individual effort later on where he just slices a team to shreds. So I, I'm is looking for... Sorry. Sorry. It's actually typical of a young player coming through. So yeah. like... In the under twenties, when they had the Holden slash Toyota Cup or whatever you want to call it back in the day, under twenty ones comp, the scores averaged around seventy points per game split between the two teams. Defense was not a thing in uh-huh. those competitions in the younger generation, and God, the, the generations coming through, and it's all about that flary who can find that big kid to run through and score four four tries in one game. That's and so Dimitriou. They, they can't fucking no, 
no young player can defend. <laughs> like, not sorry, not many young players can defend. And it was defensive lapse. He was he was out of position for the grubber in the first place for that one between his legs, and then he he propped with mm. his legs spread about to yeah. catch dumb, which is a very bad. And yes, full credit to him for scoring that try. But in saying that too, they wouldn't have scored that try and screwed all South Sydney's momentum if Charles Nickel Clockstab was playing fullback. No, I'm not going to say that. No, no well, he, he, he has proven himself as a quality fullback who would not let a, ball, a grabber go between his oh, legs. I'd, I'd say what happened to him with the ball bounce had nothing to do with him or his positioning. That would have, that's just one of those ones where it bounces no, the wrong well, way. Okay. That could have, that could have happened to Trebojevic, Tedesco, Edwards. It could have happened to any uh, of them if you get a bad thing. I'll just throw the question out to you. Would you rather someone who's going to make a few defensive lapses in a game and can do what Xavier Savage do for that one play on the weekend? Or do you have someone more consistent and the the gap between the best and worst is minimal, like Chance equal clocks there? Um, because I, 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 I rate Savage. In a vacuum, I'd probably take the... Um, oh. I, I rate no, Savage. I, I'd always, I always go on the upside, so I'd take the first option. Because especially in this Canberra side, there's not many players who actually who have that Top level. They've got a Look, lot I, of consistent I, I, performances. I, it's I also what nineteen. I actually put a. I actually put a bit of a. You guys kind of laughed at me for it, but I actually threw out he'd been a smoky for Queensland. Like you, you, you needed speed at one point. Yeah. Um. But on the other hand, Charles Nickel Clock said he's not even twenty five yet. No. And we all know he's. There was a point there where Canberra's attack based solely around him like mm-hmm. it was it was really weak without him so but he's I, also I, not got back to it since I, he was in i don't know ricky stewart's obviously been around the game a bit more than i have and had had that opinion but i, I would have loved to see xavier savage in the team for this entire year someone other than fullback to learn what it is to play week in week out rugby league then and i don't know put him Put in the I think, winger. I, know. I think Stuart. I think Stuart made that call pretty early on once he knew Cookstar wouldn't be there and he was injured and never really came back from his in well injury and then another injury came back to what he was doing last year. Was that even last year? Yeah. Oh, anyway. look, I, I don't it's know. fine. It, it was yeah. just what he what he turned it into from what he had in that game and it doesn't matter who was playing fullback in that game they weren't going to win. Um, oh, I just think the 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 upside and how we can probably finish this off is next year's going to be better. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's there for back moving forward. You'd assume. So we're going to start with the Murray Fennick news, and we knew that, or well, the rugby league world knew that he was battling dementia. But on Seven Spotlight show, um, details were revealed that he's a prime can or prime um, example of CTE, which first uh, came to light. Yes. First came to light. Well, not first came to light. I think maybe it came into the public sphere through the movie Concussion with Will Smith, where as a South African doctor who first um, identified this condition in NFL footballers. And generally, or usually, sorry, <clears throat> you can't have 100% diagnosis until 
looking at the brain uh, once the patient's been deceased, but boy, you still can't be 100% sure. But it's got a, this has all the signs pointing towards it, the age differential between where he's at and the damage already in his brain and the downward trend we'll see in his health, especially in recent years. So I just want to do a shout to Mario himself and his wife for putting themselves out there and, and going public with this sort of information um, because the awareness for things like this is a lot different when it's hearsay compared to when you actually see it. Um, even though Murray played before I started watching, it's pretty clear how he played, the amount of highlights that there are of uh, Murray playing. Um, what is that? He's 50, he's 60 at the moment yeah, with an 80 year old brain. Look, it's. Look, the, the, it's a very hard thing to say can be linked with CTE because a lot of people without his history have got dementia at his age. So, you know, it, it, it's a hard conversation to have. Um, does it help to increase your chances of having dementia? The research says it does, it research it does. I, I don't know. Um, it, it's a hard, it's definitely a hard conversation, um, but I... I just wish him and his family all the best and I wish that, yeah, just, I, I hope he just lives a happy life moving forward the best he can. That's the best way you could put this. CTs, this day and age, there's no, no hard evidence of anything these days, unfortunately. Oh. That's the reality of it. There, there isn't. There his, isn't his neurologist specifically said, presented as a classic case of CTE. He's an advancing CTE. Look, but it won't be long before he needs care. It's a type of dementia. But as I like, said, there, yeah, blah, blah. There, there's people who've never played football in their life, who lived, worked behind a desk the entire life, mm. who can form the same symptom. Yeah, symptom. That, 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 that same symptoms and the same diagnosis, the same prognosis. That, 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 that's the unfortunate reality we're living in right now. So um, I, I, I'm very wary to link it completely with CTE. I'm more... Yeah, I, I just don't like that idea. That's all. Either way, we want to... What's the word? Rate, well, continue to raise the awareness around that sort of stuff and hope that, yeah, his family, friends and Mario himself gets the, all the care that he needs um, for the rest of his life moving forwards and that the NRL takes as much information on board as they can uh, to prevent as much of this happening um, to players of this generation and past generations when and if they can. Oof. Moving on to a good news story. Um, a world first has been happening down at the Australian Institute of Sport where 26 aspiring NRLW players um, have spent five weeks as part of a research group. So it's been a world-leading research task at the forefront of Indigenous Women's um, Academy at the Australian Institute of Sport. So this has been in conjunction with the Australian Catholic University, Boston Children's Hospital's Wusai Human Performance Centre and Innovation Hub, the Australian Institute of Sport, obviously, as well. The players have trained full-time at the AAS while being monitored and supported daily by 12 female researchers conducting 10 different studies. And 
basically it's looking at the effects of performance um, through hormonal change, menstrual cycle, effect on different body systems, body composition, iron status, uh, metabolic processes, all stuff that's been done a lot in male athletes and male team sports over this period that has yet to be done uh, for Indigenous females. And for it to happen in Australia, it's bloody awesome, um, giving up five weeks of their lives to do so. So we're training and performing as professional athletes, as well as being obviously the subject of 10 different studies at the same time. So I'm really interested to see what the um, outcome of the study is going to be, what sort of research they bring out of it, uh, which is, it should be fascinating reading and definitely something that will be used moving forward as the women's game continues to grow. Um, yeah, yeah. Very, very cool. I love when an Australian sport's actually at the forefront of something like this. It's freaking awesome. All right. Oh, not on the forefront of much. No. So this is awesome to see. Uh, the Rugby League Players Association has announced their 2022 Players NRL Dream Team. So this is a team voted by the players themselves, the best 13 players in their positions. And oh, I, I think it's going to be pretty stock standard um, for most. I think there was a fan, um, general PA put the results out. Um, sorry, didn't put the results out, put the nominations out and allowed fans to also vote for the players to see how close it was going to get uh, for a player's vote compared to a fan vote and I think there was a couple of differences from memory from what I saw when I did it uh, compared to what ended up being here so at fullback uh, let's have a look it's pretty straightforward oh they don't have like all the different options here that's all all right fullback was James Tedesco I think the other two options were Dylan Edwards and Latrell Mitchell look yeah so I think that one was pretty straightforward. It was a, a clear win to Desco in both accounts there. The wing is up for choice with Daniel Tupo, Joseph Sawali, Alex Johnson, and Josh Adokar. Um, I think this is probably one where both the players' choices may differ from the fans' choices. Uh, may. I'm not saying will. I'm not bloody speaking on behalf of all fans here. Uh, but players went with Joseph Suwale and Daniel Tupo. Um, I believe I voted for Johnson and Addo Carr, although the Addo Carr and the... Um, well, I think Alex Johnson had to be in there regardless. And that, I think that was one of the choices that may be a surprise. I'm not going to say upset or shock people. It's just a bloody vote. That's just a bloody um, dream team. Oh. I rate this very highly. Um, no, I mean, it's not going to get fans up in arms, is what I mean. It's well, it choice. shouldn't, because these are the guys on the field voting. Like, yeah, that's right. These are literally the blokes on the field playing against him, um, yeah. playing against these blokes. So I reckon it's one of the biggest compliments you can get, really. Oh, I, Massive. I was saying, like, there's no point. I don't see fans getting all, how could they pick this or how could they pick that? Because Mate, have you read it's the completely comments? different. Yeah, I'm not going to bother. Um, because I'm okay, sure no. there will be some people getting upset like that, <laughs> like they had a choice in the matter. Um, oh, yeah. Four out of five backline players, all from Roosters. I'm confused. Are they playing this weekend? Are you a flog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, comments like that. Hence why I said, may surprise some people. 
I didn't say shock, but anyway, I would have had Alex Johnson in from a fan's perspective, hence why they, I think the RLPA put this out as well. So you could have well, a, a I think choice on it. My favourite pick is Ben Hart. I really rate that pick. Yeah, well, I think that was the, the go-to anyway as well. Yeah. Um, Joey Manu's in there. Like, really, this so, is like, I, I rate this fucking team. Uh, the two biggest omissions for me were Alex Johnston on the wing and Valentine Holmes in the centres. I think they were the yeah, two. Yeah, but... So they picked some pretty quality players. Oh yeah, of course. There, there's no, there's no bad picks um, from just from a fans of watching. Um, Olam That's... is an incredible player, and if you've listened to us before, we're both massive fans of Olam. I, I, I just feel his last year's we, uh, season Trump this year. Wasn't but as good as we we also have a massive amount of fear for Jordan. Oh yeah, that that's true. I just see what Holmes has done this year, as well as the goal kicking everything, um, but. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, 5'8", Cam Munster, halfback Ben Hunt. Props, James Fisher-Harris, Joseph Tarpanay. Hooker, Apisai Coruscant. Uh, the other options, I, I, I was very happy to see Reese Robson in there yeah. as a nominee. Um, I actually picked him, um, but uh, who was the other one? Coruscant and... It would have been Grant, wouldn't it? Yeah, thank you. Harry Grant. That was Grant. Uh, second row was Jeremiah Nanai and Isaiah Papalihi. Um Got the nod over Angus Crichton and Villiami oh, Kickow. There's a billion others for the pick from. Yes. And Lot Cam Murray. So I think when I was thinking of the Dally M positional thing, and we'll do our preview show for that, I was like, there's already pretty much three positions for me that were just done and dusted uh, a little while ago, regardless of what happens in the finals. Um, and Lock was one, 5 8 was one, and halfback was just one. Um, yeah, I think those three. Oh, sorry, and fullback. So they were, those four were pretty much done and dusted. Um, yeah, Nico Hines was the third halfback option with Cleary and Ben Hunt. So if you want to have a look at that, uh, jump on at nrl.com. So uh, Christian Wolf is a name that's been popping up more and more often. He's going to be the Dolphins' assistant coach uh, for their inaugural season. And he's it's been revealed... Well, he's revealed that there were three NRL clubs who would approach him to be head coach of their club next year. They haven't obviously mentioned which clubs they are. Um, one even flew to England to talk to him uh, with regards to coaching their club in 2023. And the Tigers. the Tigers actually flew over. Oh, oh fuck, it wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. And he basically said he weighed up all options, but it was the chance to coach under Wayne Bennett uh, for two years before stepping into the role as a head coach uh, in the NRL that swayed him. So he could have obviously walked in straight into a head coaching role, assuming on better money, uh, but has decided to take this route. And I'd be interested to hear like detailed thoughts or, or reasons behind it. Um, just from assumptions, may have seen how other head coaches have gone, stepping straight into it. Um, despite success in the Super League, albeit he has already coached in the Q Cup and in the NRL as an assistant coach as well. Um, head coach. Head coach in the NRL? Yes. When? Coach Newcastle and Nathan Brown got the hook. Oh, yeah, that was interim, wasn't it? Yeah. How long was that for? Like a couple of weeks or something? No, uh, about 10 weeks. See, there's 100% that's the reason why I wouldn't have remembered that. Um, but he's also coached Tonga as well has been at the um, helm of that country's turnaround. And um, 
emergence in the rugby league world. So I, I thought that's quite, quite interesting. He did, and I quote, going over and doing a couple of years with Wayne and then being able to succeed him is obviously a terrific opportunity. And that he's had a conversation with different people, but the Dolphins was uh, the right choice. So there have been play uh, players, there have been coaches who have come from the Super League and Q Cup resumes that have been successful. Uh, there's not going to be many, if any, that are going to top his. And the choice that he made to still go into assistant coaching role. It's quite interesting. As a Dolphins, if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be absolutely stoked with that choice. The fact that he's not just going to come in and start from the forefront. And it doesn't take a, a rock science to understand that he's going to have an influence with Bennett with regards to player retention, recruitment over the next couple of seasons, as well as the systems that the um, team puts in play on the field. So really interesting to see how that tandem works. And then obviously the succession in three years time. All right. Um, let's just do some World Cup squad news before we get into the wrap up of the weekend. So the Rugby League World Cup wheelchair squads um, have started to be announced. So on the uh, World Cup website as well as NRL.com, uh, the Australian side, the French side, the Spanish side, the USA and the Welsh teams have all been announced. So you can jump on there to have a look at those uh, in due time. Also for the official men's squads, we've got Fiji, Greece, New Zealand and Tonga. So if you're fans of those teams, jump on there and have a look at your squads for the World Cup. And in the Women's World Cup, Canada, France, Papua New Guinea have all announced their squads as well. So obviously I'm not going to read through all of them because that would be 90-something names. But if you're hell keen on the World Cup and you want to get into it already, you can read up on all those. All righty. Um, Let's just do a quick jump to results from the weekend. So in the New South Wales Cup, we knew that Penrith Panthers had already made it into the grand final. Prelim final was between the Newtown Jets and Canterbury Bulldogs. Uh, Bulldogs end up taking out that one in a high scoring affair, 28 points to six. And they will now take on Penrith in the grand final just have a look at some of the names who played for the Bulldogs Jaden Ockenberg got a double Paul Alamodi picked up a try as a death and Casey and we've seen all of them obviously in the NRL for the Jets um Kyle Iroh Braden Trindle picking out uh three out of five conversions wishing he probably had another one there Brandon Wakeham three out of five conversions for the Bulldogs as well as the penalty goal um so that puts them through like I said to the grand final against Penrith I believe on the ladder, Penrith finished second, Bulldogs finished fourth. So there's your grand final for the New South Wales Cup of 2022. Uh, in the Q Cup, the prelim finals, North Devils 20 defeated Sunshine Coast Falcons 13 and Dolphins, Redcliffe Dolphins this one, 28 defeated Burley Bears 16. So that is, I believe, first and second being knocked out by third and fourth. Um, for the Devils, Braden McGrady, the try-scoring machine over the last couple of seasons, uh, got across for the match sealer, we'll say, uh, in the 72nd minute. Tyron Roberts kicking two out of four. Tyson Smoothie kicking two out of four for the Falcons as well, scoring a try, as did Lazarus Valipu, uh, one of the 
best names in the comp and one of the biggest dudes as well that you will ever see on a footy field. He is a solid person. Um, for the Dolphins over Burley Bears, 28-16, like I said. Uh, let's have a look. Jackson Frey and who else in there that we would know? Not as many as I'd expect, but Dolphins uh, keeping up their amazing record in the Q Cup. So it will be North Devils taking on Redcliffe Dolphins, third versus fourth um, at Morton Daly Stadium in Redcliffe next or this coming Saturday, 3.15. All righty. We'll have a quick break there, come up for with signings, judiciary and injuries from the two semifinals, as well as a wrap-up of the NRLW Round 5 action. Weird. All right. Some quick signings news. So Corey Oates has re-signed with the Broncos. Did not look like a deal that was going to happen at the end of last year, but a resurgent Mr. Oates uh, has re-signed with the club for another season and extended his career for an 11th year. 20 tries in 2022. Um, so good on you, Corey Oates. So a career that has just dropped dropped off from what was so promising at the start. SN Masters will join Super League Club Huddersfield on a two-year deal. Um, St. George have announced the signing of Jacob Little, who was released from the final year of his Tigers contract. And Murray Tulagi has signed a contract extension with the Cowboys that ties him to North Queensland to the end of 2026. Uh, what else? So St George have announced the re-sign of Dragons oh, of their back row, Billy Burns, for the 2023 season. Uh, Joe and Gowie has extended his contract through the end of 2025. And Newcastle have confirmed the signing of Tyson Gamble on a two-year deal. Oh, boy. There's a reason. Oh, mate. That uh, up, eh? <laughs> That, see, he played really well in North Devils. And no, that's, well, that's probably the level that he's at. We, everyone who listens to this knows how I feel about Gamble. I'm not a fan of really is anyone. His skill is low, and his attitude, and he, and he, he seems like a pest on the field that you barely tolerate playing with you, but you hate playing against. But my issue is not that. My issue is the fact that Newcastle thought they needed him. Yeah, but like right now, you've got. Phoenix Crossland, Adam Clune, Jake Clifford. Um, and it ne- end of next year, we're bringing in Leon Price, who's a 5'8 slash fullback. Um, Alan Ponga is a 5'8. Caleb Ponga's there, you know, and you've got a few young fellas. Like, my, my issue is that Newcastle have been developing Phoenix Crossland for, what, 10 years now? He'd signed with him when he was like 12. Mm-hmm. And they don't believe he's the future. <laughs> and that's more of a concern than me than anything. Our development program shit for halfbacks. And Jake Clifford, I feel like he had it. Supposedly he came out in mid-year when he got dropped for the first time and some mental health issues and stuff. On his days, he's pretty fucking good. Like, if you just get... Like, we've got the play... And then Adam Clune's a pretty handy replacement. So... I don't. I just don't. I just don't see the need in having to buy a halfback period as opposed to buying Tyson Gamble. Like I just oh, don't I, see it. And, and, and I'm you gonna come go out and say. No, uh, I, I just got one more thing to say. If you're up for buying, don't wreck it. Don't wreck it, please. Brody Croft is in England right now. He's got Super League Player of the Year or whatever. Made a steal. I would much rather Brody Croft than fucking Tyson Gamble. Both from the but, same halves development system at the Rock. Um, I'm going to put my hand and say that was 
one of, if not Jared's most well thought out, articulated and intelligent opinions we've ever heard on this show. Congratulations. I'm shaking his hand through this screen. Um, yeah, the fact that Newcastle felt the need to actually sign a half, let alone gamble, is a also the same large concern I had. Uh, he played really well for North Devils, but that is his level. He's not NRL caliber. He, he's, just, he's just not. Hmm. And there's nothing I've seen bar a decent play every two to three weeks, maybe, um, that screams NRL quality. Um, two years' worth of salary cap as well is pretty valuable. All right. Uh, let's go to suspensions from the weekend. Tavita Totola is free to play in his side's preliminary final against Penrith after accepting an early guilty plea for dangerous contact. For, sorry, for dangerous contact, not from it. Uh, Elliot Whitehead has been hit with two charges but will be free to play for England um and yeah we know the rest um also looks as though all the referees that are making the least amount of mistakes have also been suspended for the rest of the season uh but we'll talk about that in our preview show next episode all right uh with regards to injuries Saliba Havili will miss the prelim final after succumbing to a calf injury, so he'll not be taken on the Penrith Panthers. His place will be taken by Jed Cartwright, who's recovered from a hamstring injury. Uh, Joe Arrow and Alex Johnson have been named um, despite hip flexor and groin issues, um, respectively. Parramatta have injury concerns with Senator Tom Opacek racing the clock to be fit, and Penrith winger Talon May suffered a hamstring injury against the Eels, uh, but would have missed the sides game anyway, regardless, due to accepting a one-game ban for a high tackle. All righty. That's everything. Uh, casual ward, judiciary, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to start with NRLW, the wrap-up of round five. So for some background on this one, three of the four final spots have been taken. The fourth and final one was up for grabs this weekend. Uh, the biggest game of the round, Broncos versus Eels. Uh, Eels need to win this one and then hope for and against, et cetera, go their way as well. Uh, here we go. Eels knocked the Broncos out of the NRLW finals with an emphatic win uh, in this one. Now, not the game that I picked to see the result. Uh, sorry. That was going to influence the finals as much. I was looking more at the Titans Roosters game, but Eels came out and pretty much dominated 60% of possession for the match, completing at 80%. Broncos completing at 71. Broncos missed 39 tackles in the defeat. Um, one upside for the Broncos, Haley Maddox scored the first try of her career uh, in the loss. That was the first time the Eels have beaten the Broncos in NRLW history, two seasons worth. So Parramatta are set to play finals for the first time. Well, we're set to play finals for the first time, pending the result of the Titans-Roosters match. So 28-16, the final score was for the Eels. Um, Tiana Penatani getting across the stripe in the second minute and then leaving with a quad injury midway through the first half. So question mark over her going into the finals and as their best, if not their best player, very close to it. Big concern there. Ali Brigginshaw with a try and two out of three conversions for the Broncos in just an end to a very disappointing season for the 
powerhouse club over the first few seasons of the NRLW. Roosters, 38, defeated the Titans, 12. So that locked up Parramatta's spot in the finals. Um, yeah, another dominant performance for the Roosters, undefeated so far this season, undefeated since, what, the prelim final last year? Yeah. 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 So on quite a run. Uh, Zahara Tamara keeping her kicking boots on, five out of seven conversions there. And... I was thinking the Roosters may have fielded a lighter squad um, to give their players some rest. Yeah, that didn't happen. Um, uh, the season's not long enough to be doing that stuff. Yeah, I know, but uh, I was thinking, oh, are they going to ant themselves up finals? Um, Jada Taylor did play at fullback. Uh, Shannon Rose and Jamie Frassard in on the wingers with Sergis and Kelly in the centres. So a couple of changes there, um, giving Sammy Bremner a week off as well. Um, Titans missing the finals along with the Broncos. So no Queensland squads there. And Knights, very dominant, 30 to 8 victors over the Dragons. So that ties up second place for them, meaning it'll be a repeat match for them in the first round of the finals against the Dragons. Remembering all of these games will be at the footy fest at Suncorp Stadium on Saturday with the two Prime Minister matches uh there as well and we'll talk about that on next episode's preview show so just to run over the ladder here to finish nrl w season we have roosters on top five wins zero losses uh knights four wins one loss three and two for the dragons and then one and four for the eels broncos and titans but it was four and against by five uh where is it there 13 point the difference with Eels and Broncos there. So Eels versus Roosters, Knights versus Dragons in the prelim finals. Yeah, Newcastle are going to have a decent crack to win this one. Um, they know he's done the Roosters. They know he beat the Roosters last week. And it's actually going to be a really interesting finals um, just because, you know, full credit to Ali Briggenshaw for, uh, for taking yeah, – she was emotionally traumatized about not being able to make it this year. She, the, the Broncos have been so successful throughout the whole NRLW and being a successful team, they literally just got gutted of their players they developed and made and made it to who they are. First things first, Millie Boyle from Newcastle. But what that is a sign of is the NRL women's becoming more and more professional because if you have a good player who's Going to, you, they're going to get offered more money and more things. It's not just the hot, cool and plain professional rugby league now. It's, okay, I'm a pro. Who's going to pay me the best money for my services because I am an elite athlete now? And I think I said at the start, yeah, Broncos are kind of behind the times on that one because they were so successful for so long. They didn't have the same model as, well, Newcastle did with buying Tamika Upton and Millie Boyle. The way they did it, they treated them as if they were elite athletes and they signed them. And there's a and that's where we're at right now. Broncos will be... I think what I'm getting at be, is that it's going to be really interesting off-season to see if Newca- if Broncos can pull something back and get a few more high-profile players to bring him in because Ali Briggenshaw, she kind of reminds me of Cherry Evans, really. Is that she, she tries her ass off, but kind of doesn't have the players around her to pack her up. So it's really unfortunate, but I, I hope the Broncos can turn this around next year. I really do. Alrighty, and I'm 
I did yell out before to see if I've got anything on this weekend, but I'm very keen to, to head down there and, and check out that fest and actually see an NRLW game live um, for the first time. So I miss both origins up here due to a couple of different things. All right. Semi-finals. Let's have a look. Eels 40 defeating the Raiders 4. Now, this was quite a dominant performance by the Eels. Um, I'm not even going to say quite. It was a dominant performance by the Eels. Uh, 59% possession does help. Uh, they did complete at 77, which isn't fantastic. Uh, but you have a look at all the stats through here, and you, it, it's very hard to even stay close, let alone win, when you've got 150 runs and the other team's got 200 and basically 230. Uh, that's an 80, uh, a difference of almost 80 uh, runs there. And if you've got 80 more chances running with the ball, you've got a higher chance of scoring, regardless of where you are on the field. 47 tackle breaks to 25, uh, over 200 more post-contact metres, uh, 10 more offloads. Oh, I'm just trying to think something. Three forced line, three forced dropouts to none. Uh trying to see missed tackles 25 to 47 like it the, the eels started hot and they stayed hot raiders look like a team who was spent after last week and they were making mistakes they were falling off tackles they didn't they just weren't in the game in pretty much any area 22-4 at half time uh went to 40 to 4 at full time that's still an 18 nil second half win uh for Parramatta. And Mitch Moses has continued his form from the second half of the season. The two games that Eels have lost have been the two that he hasn't played. And he, the thing that I was interested in watching going into this game is whichever team got in front, how are they going to control it? And my opinion on it was that they would need to continue to score instead of trying to sit back. And credit to Parramatta that they tried to, they scored the 45th and then 70th and 79th minute, doubled in the Akure. Um, as if I was a Parramatta fan, which is disgusting to say, uh, no offence, but you're doing a lot better than my Seagulls, so I can't really talk. Uh, that's what I would have wanted to see, that sort of performance. Don't ease off, just keep going right through the end. Raiders would, yeah, I think they, they, their big game was last week. you got to give them credit to how they finished the season. Uh, to get themselves into the finals at the expense of the Brisbane Broncos and then knocking out Melbourne last week. Um, pretty remarkable performance, been able to be the first team since 2014 to stop the storm at that point in the competition. I don't know, it's, we've already talked about Xavier Savage and um, he was his one up point was pretty much the only up point for the uh, Raiders in this one. Uh, Tarpane was pretty much nullified. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so this was definitely Parramatta at their best. Yeah. Like, you know, you had, you know, the Fords running through, but I think I think a good sign of it is when their bench comes on and holds to the same standard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they 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 lost Moses for an HIA. He passed. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention that, yeah. And it was a... You know, I, I ripped into them last week because Brown and Guffo stood up, didn't stand up last week, they did it this week. And, but, you know, this is par for the course for Para. Like, you can't deny that. 
like they they got flogged one week and they come back and just put their best effort on their, one of their best performances the next week. Um, this is how they've rolled their entire for the last couple of years. So I'm not overly impressed, but as I think I said to you guys on on the on the night, they have the team to win the grand final, but I just don't think they can with this inconsistency inconsistency they've been having and. Because I believe they have the team to do it and the ability and the skill and the, what's the word, the thing, I, I, I put them to a higher standard because of that. And I, I if I knew nothing about them but knew the players they play with, I, I, I do have an expectation to go further than they ever have. Like I, I would have said, you know, if they had this team three years, did they win the premiership two years? You know what I mean? Um so they do have it. I just don't think they can win the next. I don't know. Do you believe they can win three games in a row? Because this is what they have to do now. Like, do you honestly believe that they can? Because while they have the team to do it, they've proven they can't for the last three years. That's a good point. And it's still there. Um... And let, let's face it, they're going to come against Pembroke who absolutely nah, they, the they're coming. No, 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 they're taking in the great points then. Yeah. In the grand final, if they oh, they potentially can come up with power. I'm expecting yeah, to be South Sydney. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like looking at this, I think how it's all played out, um, now it's really Penrith's comp to lose. I think the, the, the teams that match up best against them are now out or on the other oh, side of the or on the other side of the draw. Now Paramount do. That's what I mean. Anyway, yeah, Paramount do. Oh, sorry, yeah, keep going. Yeah. yeah. So um Everything the Eels did last night is what they will need to do next week against North Queensland. And even though the score line of North Queensland that they did against the Sharks to get through, I still take that North Queensland performance ahead of this Eels one um, just because of the opposition. The Raiders' level wasn't as high as the Sharks' level when the Cowboys took them on. And I'm taking that form guy, which also then goes to show how well the Rabbitohs played uh, on the Saturday. So... I really think if I was an Eels supporter, I'd prefer to be taking on Penrith this week only based on the success they had earlier in the season. And, yeah, they were towered up against them last week. Um, But they have shown this season that they can beat them and they've got to take that mental edge in. Whereas the last time I believe Eels played Cowboys, it was an absolute pasting from memory. Was that the Darwin game or have they played since then? I'd have to go back to the draws. Too many bloody games. Um, So Raiders are out. Parramatta through. Um, Dylan Brown running the ball and just popping up wherever and whenever he could is a good sign. And I appreciated the Parramatta intensity for the entirety of the game. There were minimal lapses. And Jared mentioned the bench. Only two players of their bench played more than 15 minutes because Jacob Arthur came on only for the HIA period while Mitch Moses was off. And the other bench player there was um, Murata Niakore. Sorry, not Niakore. Makashi Makatoa. He only played 13 minutes. So Whoa. the other two on the interchange, Oregon Kafusi, played 37 minutes, ran for over 113 metres uh, while getting through 13 tackles, no misses. And uh, where's his name? Ryan Madison, 56 minutes, 158 metres, 46 post-contact. Uh, a line break assist, a try assist. Uh, 
typical Ryan Madison performance, 24 tackles as I, well. Yeah, I, I, I was the top of that list. I know he started at lock, but he was named off the bench. was definitely Murad in the core yeah, right. because I think starter last year, he had played six or seven games, and he was just absolutely killing it in the centres. And he was starting centre. And this game, Tom Opacic, did he do? I think he did a hip flexor or a knee or a hamstring. I can't remember. He did something to the you know, the hip down. And um, fuck, man, he's a weapon in the centres. And he could just be that excess player you just bring in. Just him and Talakai. The, the X factor. That, well, yeah, the, the, this is the difference between... Because while, you know... I rate Opechik. I thought he was a really strong signing. Um, he doesn't offer much in attack. He's a defensive centre. And so I'd which, say the same you know, with Nick Corey. Well, Nick Corey could run over people. Opechik. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I thought you in my head, I, I thought know, you were talking about making or. For, for, for me, I, I have a. Parramatta, for me, is the strongest attacking team in the comp just by the players on the paper. Uh, I, not by stats, because their stats kind of go what I'm about to say. But what they did was bought Opacek to kind of strengthen up their outside backs. I don't believe it worked, but that was the theory behind it. And for me, right now, they're in the prelim. They're losing their hooker, their best second rower, and someone else next year. I can't remember the last one. Mm. Um I don't believe the premiership window. I believe the premiership window, if not closes, is only slightly ajar considering it's wide open right now next year because mainly through the loss of Marnie. I think they just have to play to their strength and try and outscore everyone else in this final series. And by that, I think their best option is to put Nia Kore in the centres just to fucking run through people. Just do a Talakai. Just do a Justin Ola. Just, you know, he's got two games to just get the ball and just rough and tumble as much as he can and create fear and then, you know, use him as a decoy next one because everyone's going to be targeting him and go back to go go out the back to Guffo. Mm. I think Parramatta need to do that even if Opacek is fit because that's the only way they're going to win it. <laughs> that's unfortunately. They're just going to have to score more. I know it sounds simple, but they're going to have to really put 30, 40 points on every team they come up against. Because if it comes down to a close one, if they come up against Pemriff, I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, well, you try. I don't think, I don't they think they're going to be able to take on any team who's left in this competition in a tight game. No, well, you've got Cowboys. They've got Cowboys up next who are the second best defensive side in the comp. Yeah, I, I, and yeah, I, I don't... Then yeah. you have to take on the best. So, yeah, just, I, yeah. I, and then you you know, even if Pemriff lose, you're coming up against if if South Sydney win this weekend, Latrell Mitchell is gonna walk in this grand final the same size as fucking Zeus. Yeah. He's just gonna be he's literally just gonna be, be almost as big as drink water. <laughs> he'll just be he will be un, untouchable in the grand final. If if he if he can lead them to a game a win against Pemriff. Man, I, his confidence is going to be sky high and he will be running through everybody in that grand final. It'd be scary. I don't yeah. like it, but he will be. Yeah, so... Yeah, cool. All right, the second game. Now, before we go to that, let's do our best bets from the weekend. Now, I've been holding off because uh, we had a mix between the two games and Wall's got such a lead on us that um, 
Joe and I both had to kind of just let's just say we, we, we're going to put our money on the line here. So Wald put up a big $20 um, for Dylan Brown to be an anytime try scorer, as well as Cody Walker to be an anytime try scorer. Cody Walker paid off. However, uh, Dylan Brown didn't. So that drops him down to a measly um, $847 with that $20 loss. Um, I put $54 on at $24 odds for Sharks, <laughs> 13 plus. Ooh, got the margin, wrong team. Uh, Nico Hines a score and Alex Johnson a score. So let's just uh, write that one off because none of that happened. So that drops me from $204 down to $150 um, and 33 cents. To be uh, fair, that, that 33 cents could, um, who knows? And Jared, good old Jared, starting with $60, put $30 on at $30 odds. Um, for Cronulla to win uh, into Ronaldo Molotalo to score any time, which he did. Alex Johnson to score any time, which he did not. Mike Acevo to score any time, which he did. He didn't. He dropped the ball over the line. Yeah, he did not. Yeah, that's right. And then also you've got JW. Um, who would that have been? No idea. Anyway. You wrote it. it. You wrote know. it, you twit. Oh, look, look how much I'm trying to fit on that piece of paper. Not... <laughs> you wrote it, you muppet. What is this? Like, is it Cinderella Man or something? No, that's not the right Why one. Why would you say who's that to me when you're? it's your shorthand? It's your bet. It's your bet. What's, it's the, your what's the movie I'm thinking of? Is it Rain Man? Where all the numbers and stuff are all over It, it might screen. have been Jack Wyden. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, either way, look, either look. way, we all sucked. So, going into... Prelim, 847 for uh well 150 for me and 30 bucks for Jared. See? It's only gambling when it's Jared and I. It's not gambling with Wall because he wins, even though he lost that week. Anyway, Rabbitohs 38 over the Sharks 12. Now, every time I look at this Rabbitohs side, I'm like, oh, they just don't have it in them to win these big games. They've shut me down every single time. Um, so I'm gonna back them from now on, which means they're gonna lose to Penrith next week. You're welcome. 38-12. I was not going to be surprised with the Rabbitohs' victory. How they won this, I... This is going to be a tad controversial because you know I love it. But you you look at the weeks before. Yeah. Where Rabbits, while the game was hard, stopped every foot, what, minute and a half for someone to get simbid. So they stopped and stopped for 30 seconds. They took a rest. They had some treatment. They're doing that. While, you know, they, they walked out with a few bruises. Sorry. You compare that to the Sharks-Cowboys game the week before where they played for 93 minutes, practically un- no, no stoppages. They fucking played at a high pace, high skill level. And you walk into this one where because of that, you know, you had calf tightness, you had a hamstring, you had shoulder. Oh. And you're like, no, no, well, no. what my point was that as a result from the previous game, Talakai got ruled out and then they moved Ronaldo Mulatalo to the other side of the field and had contract just to cover that South Sydney left-hand side. And then they had the Connor Tracy up against Campbell Graham and Lockie Miller up against fucking on the right-hand side, um, uh, Tane Miller, I think he scored two or three tries. 
So you had a T, you had a left hand side against one of the strongest attacking C, your left hand side defensive team of Lockie Miller and Connor Tracy, easily the smallest center wing pairing in the competition for the last two years. On the other hand, you had them, you know, up against Campbell Graham, who's probably one of the biggest centers in the competition. He was having a field day and it's popping over to Tane Mill and he's causing all sorts of problems. And on the other side, which yes, was defended a bit better. But you also, you know, you had Renato Molotalo playing on his wrong side, um, which, you know, he did get the intercept from, but they just looked weak out in the edges. And the set plays that Nico Himes was trying to set up just wasn't working as cleanly and everything for it. And look, anyone who plays a 93-minute NRL games at that sort of pace, at that sort of level, I don't care who you are. You're going to have a fucking hangover six days later. I don't care what your thing was. So, yes, Cowboy... Uh, sorry, Cronulla dominated, but... Oh, uh, sorry, South dominated. But in saying that too, I think Sharks played their grand final the week before and unfortunately lost. That's... Oh, I, I can agree with everything by the 93-minute game and not being able to back up. These guys... They're trained for that. And I don't buy the... I, I did talk about the emotional hangover for two different reasons um, from last week. And that would have had an impact for the first couple of days. But by the time the game rolls around, even if the coaches through the week, all they did was... Uh, would have been ice baths. Yeah, ice, and then just skills. They, they would have done minimal contact. They don't need contact. They don't need fitness, anything like that this summer year. Um I, there would be more players, sorry, there'd be less players injury-free at this time of year than there are players with injuries. Just because they don't show up on the injury report doesn't mean they don't have a niggle here or a niggle there. Everyone's playing busted at this time of the season. It's just part and parcel of it. And yeah, the 93 minutes, it, it'll take it out of you for the day, two days after that. But no, I don't look, I, Oh. There's, there's no, no offense. They play one game a week, and yeah, it's an extremely tough sport. One game a week for twenty something weeks. Um, it shits all over NFL that play like seventeen, but there are other sports that play two games a week, three games a week yeah, for a dude, longer season. Don't, don't, don't jump on that argument. But like, that to me, it's not a, it's not an excuse for any because the Rabbitohs, they're at the same point look, of the season. The, the reason I was basing it off. I want you to sit down and watch side by side. Yeah, no, I get the difference just in games, the, but no, no, just the just how they're handling the football, but like their attack was off. Oh there. yeah, that to me that was but more that, down to the players missing than anything else. No, no, because it, it, the players missing were out wide. This hmm. this was happening, you know. This was happening three players in. The, yeah. the, like their, their their ball handling, their timing, everything just wasn't there. But you know, you know, I hate like because players right do now, play think, Origin on a Friday after playing on a Wednesday. Like yeah, but there's not seventeen all, all seventeen of them together. No. But what do you know? Do you know what I freaking hate? Um, so for me, this year Dalian coach of the year comes down to two players, two coaches, Todd Payton and Craig Fitzgibbon. I don't I don't care who you are. I believe they're the best. Like they're, they're the coaches of the year, especially Todd Payton. I, I, I actually thought about it that way. Whoever gets the furthest deserves a coach of the year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan Cleary may be in discussion for doing what he did, double up. But 
in the last couple of days in the fucking the aftermath of this game, it's just been like riffs in Cronulla in the media. It, it's just been horrible. Like the 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 biggest issue laid bare. I saw that headline the other day and stuff like that. And it's like I'm sitting there. It's like there's no issue at Cronulla. They had a great year. Had a great got, year. They just got fucking done by another team who had there. a great year. Yeah, and it's just. It's just like you just whoever loses was going to get a bad article written about him. It's like shut up. And you're talking about Peyton and uh, Fitzgibbon having cracking seasons. One player, one player, one coach who's getting little talk uh, is Jason Dimitri, and I think that might have been more so how they started the season. Mm. But you look at also like Cronulla had the massive turnover. Obviously, the players coming, new coach coming in. Dimitri was at the Rabbitohs already, and I think that plays on people's minds or that he was there last year. He's not, it's not his first year. I'm like it kind of is. Um, and yeah, it's a rookie halfback as well. Rookie halfback, loss of your halfback, loss of your goal kicker and captain. Uh, and, captain and then also loss of um, the guys won six premierships. Yeah. And loss of obviously the coach and yeah, he's been in there as assistant and everything, but that's a huge Oh, and Dan Gagai, that's the other one I was thinking of. Um, attacking weapon out wide. And we're talking about how's Cody Walker going to get all these points and score all these points. And he's... Um, oh, he's he, a, I was he, wrong about South Sydney. Yeah, so, so am I. I, 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 I apologise to all South Sydney fans. I was 100% wrong about them. I didn't think they'd make it this far. And I think losing Gagai... I actually said at the start of the year, losing Gagai was a bigger deal than losing uh, Reynolds. Turns out I was blatantly wrong about that. And both teams that those guys went to didn't make the finals. It's amazing how sport can work sometimes. So, like, Rabbitohs can obviously give Penrith a run. And I I think it's along the same lines as what you said with Parramatta. I think they're just going to have to outscore them. There's no point trying to defend them. Um, And Penrith are in – they're going to be in a much more calm, I think, frame of mind because they've been the team that's knocked the Rabbitohs out the last – Two years last year in the grand final, the year before that in the prelim final. Um, that shows how successful the Rabbitohs have been over the last three years as well. Now, one, and still my biggest issue this week, was you get all the way to a semi-final and Rabbitohs got the home field advantage over Cronulla, uh, which <laughs> I hate. And I see where the NRL's going for. We want the bigger crowds. Rah, rah, rah. I'm sick of um, it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of shit. I looked at it going, sharks have busted their ass to get here. And literally, what's the what was the difference in crowd number? They had 20-something thousand. Oh, no, sorry. There you go. That was the wrong. I was looking at the other one. The other one had 29,000. These guys had 39,000. Yeah, that's more than you could get at Shark Park. But 20-something thousand at Shark Park is going to help sharks a hell of a lot more than it's going to help the Rabbitohs. And then they're talking about, oh, we need bigger crowds, rah, rah, rah. You look at the prelim finals, you've got the Cowboys at Country Bank Stadium. Right, Suncorp holds twenty thousand more than Country Bank Stadium does. Why aren't the Cowboys playing out of Suncorp? Good, good, good luck trying to get the Cowboys down to Brisbane. It that doesn't matter. Ma- teams get no choice. And then you've got Penrith versus the Rabbitohs, the minor premiers having to get on the road to go to the Rabbitohs' home ground um, to play at Accor Stadium, which is going to have like forty thousand empty seats. When you could have just gone to Bank West. Much closer to Penrith, much higher chance of them having the home crowd. Uh, yeah, um, but that that's for the same number of seats. 
We've been complaining about this the NRL for the last three years. No, no, I, but I'm trying to do the NRL thing here. It doesn't make any sense because if they want more seats, they don't. Then why move it? It doesn't make because any it's sense. easier to put these games on at these grounds. That's, no, no, that's no. the reality. Last week it would have been. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't know. They're losing money by doing it this way. But anyway, it gives Cowboys an advantage and gives Rabbitohs an advantage. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. Anyway, that'll wrap us up for our... Well, that'll wrap up our wrap. Um, coming to you later this week with our prelim preview. See you guys. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio.